Today on Awaken to Grace, we are going to dive deep into Colossians chapter 1. We're talking about the unhurried life, and today's topic is unhurried energy. This sermon is for those of you who you feel drained, exhausted, or worn out. We are going to learn together how Paul lived with a very unique energy that came directly from the Lord and how you and I can experience the exact same energy with which Paul lived his life. This week, I'm going to speak to you out of Colossians chapter 1 concerning spiritual energy. Spiritual energy. Now, I'm calling it spiritual energy because I truly believe that as our soul goes, our body follows. So if you're someone that today you are exhausted physically, if you're someone that you are worn out mentally, if you're someone that you are drained emotionally, well, I want to talk to you today. I want to give you a remedy today. I want to give you an answer, a solution out of the word of God today that will inject energy into your life. And I'm telling you, this spiritual energy that God has in an unlimited supply is not only able to come directly into your spirit life, but it's able to affect that physical life, that mental life, that emotional life. And those of you, I have a very specific audience today, those of you who are worn out, you're drained, you're exhausted, you're the ones who are on my heart today. And I have a feeling I'm preaching to a pretty big crew. This is a little weak, but if you're worn out, I understand. I know over the last couple of months, I feel like Satan has been all over my back. And I'm telling you, today, (laughs) this week, studying for this, breaking these scriptures down, meditating upon them, ingesting them, digesting them, letting it have great effect in my life. I'm telling you, I'm ready to come out of this pulpit swinging with the word of God today because Satan's worn me out lately. Has he come to a place where he's worn you out? Guess what? That's exactly what the Bible says, Daniel 7.25. And he will wear out the saints of the Most High. That's his job. That's his goal. He wants to hinder you. He wants to oppose you. He wants to stop you right in your tracks. But I'm going to show you out of the word of God today what scripture says and how energy can come into your life and flow out of your life on a daily and a consistent basis. I'm not talking about a five-hour energy drink. I'm not talking about some type of boost that you're going to crash after a few hours. I'm talking about the consistent, the, 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 the sustaining strength that God will bring into the life of his people. And it's ours for the asking. I want you to go with me. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 29. I love this scripture. Now we're going to break down. Some very important words. If you're going to take notes today, I would encourage you to write down a few things or go back on the Awaken to Grace app and listen because they're going to be key things that will help you going forward. And again, it's not going to prep you up for only a few hours. This is sure footing that you can stand on when life is hitting you the hardest. 
when Satan is attacking you the strongest. This is sure footing out of the word of God that's going to work and it's going to strengthen and it's going to sustain. All right, verse number 29, watch this with me. For this reason, I toil, struggling with all his energy, which he powerfully works within me. Now, I want to break this verse down. Some years ago, I was teaching verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And when I came to verse 29, I was staggered. I had never seen it before. It was back in, I think, 2015. I had never seen this scripture before. And since then, it's changed the way that I've lived. Since then, it's had tremendous influence on my life. Now, when Paul says, I toil, what was he laboring toward? Well, he tells us in the previous verses, it's to present every believer mature in Christ, to help them grow spiritually. I'll tell you this today, I have no greater goal than to present you mature in Jesus. That's my highest goal. That's why I labor every week to bring you teaching from God's word. That's why I counsel the way I do. That's why I pray for the church the way that I do is because my greatest goal as a pastor is not to fill every single chair. My greatest goal as a pastor is not to build some large church. My greatest goal as a pastor cannot be measured by offerings. It cannot be measured by events. It cannot be measured by what the world would call success in this area or that area. No, my greatest goal is that you would be mature in Jesus Christ. That you would grow up in your faith to where Satan could not just slap you over at will. But where you are a strong oak of righteousness. That when the winds of life come, you know you are still standing firm in your maturity. Amen? Amen? Now Paul says, and I love this and I want to break this down. Paul says, I toil. Now the word toil here is fascinating. As you know, the Bible was written in Greek, in the New Testament written in Greek. This was its original language. So it's important to go back to these words and their root meanings to really understand what Paul is trying to say. And more importantly, what the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, what he is breathing out. What he is inspiring. Men penned the Bible, but be assured the Holy Spirit authored the book. Amen. And what's the Holy Spirit saying? Well, the word toil here is fascinating. Some translations use the word labor, some work, but I like the word toil. But here's the original meaning in the Greek. It means to work to the point of exhaustion. To work to the point of exhaustion. And Paul says, when it comes to my work, Paul says when it comes to my calling, when it comes to my purpose... I take it so serious that I labor to the point of exhaustion. Now, I understand many of you have careers that are demanding. I thought Pastor Bob did a masterful job last week teaching. Whoever employs you, you should be the greatest employee that company has because you bear the name of Jesus. I thought he did a wonderful job teaching that. And I agree with that. But I want to ask you today, 
in all of your toil, in all of your labor, are you only giving yourself to whatever it is that makes you money? And again, he did a tremendous job explaining we all have to have money to live, right? All of us. <laughs> we got we to gotta pay things. And the Bible understands that. And the Bible, as Pastor Bob pointed out, says, if a man doesn't work, a man ought not to eat. The Bible is very clear. But I also want to challenge our church today. In all of our toils, in all of our labor, are we also toiling toward the things of God, toward the things that are going to matter in eternity? Paul says, I take it so serious that he uses the Greek word labor or the Greek word work or the Greek word toil. He uses the Greek word which literally means to do it to the point of exhaustion where there's nothing left. And then, as if that were not enough, notice the next word. He says, struggling. And I love this word because uh, some translations use the word striving. But in the original Greek, here's the word picture. An Olympic runner lunging, straining toward the finish line. Have you seen that in races before? They'll be neck and neck, and all of a sudden, the winner will lunge. You know what they're doing? They're straining every, they're striving toward the finish line. What did Paul say in Philippians? I press toward the mark of the high calling of God. That word press, it again means to strain every muscle. So listen to what Paul's saying. He's saying, I take my Christian life so serious. This was not a Sunday morning Uh, religion to Paul. This was not a uh, get on your phone and listen to a sermonette. This was not, well, just pray before you eat a meal or pray before you go to bed or pray before it's raise or promotion time at work. No, this was such a serious thing to Paul that he says, when you look at my life, I work, I labor, I toil to the point of exhaustion and I strive and I strain to where there's nothing left. See, Paul did life very differently than how most of us do it. Notice what he says next. Struggling with all my energy. That's not what it says, is it? With all his energy. I'll never forget the first time I read that. It stopped me in my tracks. I began to say, oh, Lord. I've tried to do ministry. I've tried to do work. I've tried to do life. I've tried to do family. I've tried to do my responsibilities. I've tried to do all of this in my energy. And it's not enough. It's not sufficient. No, Lord, I want to learn your energy. I want to work in your energy. I want to do life in your energy. I want to do my responsibilities with your energy. And notice what he says. How does this energy come about? He says, which he powerfully works within us. (laughs) the energy of God. Today, I want to talk about unhurried energy. Now, I call this unhurried because I want to take you back up into Colossians chapter 1. The entire chapter is wonderful. When I read it, I literally see a sermon in almost every verse, if not almost 
every phrase, and in some cases, every word. I could spend months, and don't you dare think I'm not kidding. I could spend months just preaching through Colossians 1. You want to do it sometime? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Months we could spend just in Colossians 1. But we don't have that much time this morning. What we're going to do, we're going to take a few short verses. And my goal is to show you how this energy is released into your life. Now, I call it unhurried because you have to understand this is not a checklist. You can't go through it as a checklist, as a to-do list. Oh, okay, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. I'll I'll get to that, I'll fix that, I'll, I'll do that, I'll implement that. No, this is not a checklist, okay? This is an unhurried pace. This is an unhurried rhythm of God daily and consistently working in my life and in your life. Are you with me today? All right, let's go. Verse number nine. Now, notice, first of all, if you're going to, I'm going to give you six things to write down. Six things that will unleash God's energy into your life. I'm going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to spend the bulk of our time together on two of those. The four I'll just briefly mention, but there there are two that I really want to unfold, and and one being the the first one here. Uh, Now, notice what he says in verse 9. If you read uh, the entire chapter, he's thanking God for the church of Colossus. He's heard of their faith. Epaphras has preached faithfully to them, and Paul is encouraging them, and Paul just writes so beautifully to the people of Colossus. And when he gets down to verse 9, he's going to say some very, very practical things about our spiritual walk. And if you pay attention, and I want to point it out today, it is a very natural progression. And as you and I walk through these six key things in our life, what you and I are going to find is walking through these six key points is going to release that constant energy to do life and to do spiritual life the way God would have us do, both physical and spiritual. And do you know how I know that? Because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, God has given us, listen, all things that pertain to both life and godliness. Praise God. Notice number 1, verse 9. He says, be filled with the knowledge of of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Be filled with the knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The first thing that I want you to note, if you're going to live in the energy that God has for his people, I want you to note, number one, we must be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, the Greek word here, filled, is very interesting, and it literally means to be controlled. Do you you and I think about being filled in that way? If I say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me, Fill me, Holy Spirit. What am I praying? What I'm literally praying is control me, God. Control my thoughts. Control my words. Control my actions. Control my behavior. Control my will. 
Control my emotions and my affections. Control everything about me. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be permeated. It is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And here Paul says you and I ought to be filled. We ought to be controlled with the knowledge of God's will. I love this. To be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So what this is telling me is it's saying, Chad, when you face circumstances of life where you don't know what to do, or you face circumstances that you need to make a decision, what should be the first thing I seek? The will of God concerning the matter. The will of God. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, some of you, I'm afraid, are frustrated because you feel like God's will is some elusive thing that you could never seem to get a hold of. No, no, no. Do you realize that God's will is not that very difficult to find? (laughs) Well, easy for you to say, preacher. No. Hear me now. God's will is not that difficult to find. You say, Chad... I don't know what God's will is in my career path. How can you say it's not difficult? Chad, I don't know what God's will is in whom to marry. How can you say it's not difficult? Chad, I don't know what God's will is in, in moving to another state or selling my home or doing some kind of big financial. How can you say it's not hard? No, let me show you something. God's will is not something you find. I've been guilty of saying that. Oh, I'm trying to find God's will. Don't we say that? I'm trying to find it. No. God's will is not something you find. God's will is something you live. Do you hear me? It's not something you find. It's something you live. And see, watch this. When I choose to live the will of God every day in little things, he walks me into his will in the big things. But it don't start in the big things. It starts in the little things. So you go back to that sermon on spiritual disciplines. Are you doing God's will in the small things? Are you doing God's will in those little things that perhaps it would seem insignificant compared to the really big things? Are you doing God's will in those matters? Then rest. Because the steps of a good man are ordered. And God's going to walk you into his will concerning big things. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, when you know what the will of God is, that should control your decisions. Some years ago, Sadie and I had a financial decision to make where I won't get into all the details of it, but I shared my dilemma with a few close friends and my friend said, well, ethically, I think you have the high ground. Well, Legally, I think you have the high ground. I don't think you have to do this with this money. I think it's yours, and and it was a good sum of money. And, I mean, it's yours. That's what a lot of my friends said. That's how I felt. But how many of you know you can't talk God out of some things? You ever try to pray, and you pray in a way that it's useless? Now, Lord... Now, concerning this money, Lord, you know my heart. And God would say, yeah, that's the problem. I do know your heart. Get it right. (laughs) Well, Lord, you know I just want to do the right thing. Then do the right thing. 
well, Lord, I, I just, I want to bring this matter to you. No, you know, you know in your heart what I'm telling you. Well, Lord, I don't know. Yes, you do know. Have you ever tried to pray and God wasn't interested in it? <laughs> because you know in your heart. Sadie and I had to come to a place where we said, we may have the ethical high ground, we may have the moral high ground, we may have the legal high ground, but do you know what? I know in my heart what the will of God is. Be controlled by the will of God. See, for me, that decision became very simple because I had to come to a place where I had to say, I'm either going to do things my way or I'm going to let the will of God God determine what I do. Does that make sense to you today? Be controlled. Now, someone may say, well, how do I know what the will of God is? Let me show you something so exciting. One day when we get our building paid off, I hope to install seat belts into the chairs. So when we come to a portion of scripture like this, I can literally say, fasten your seat belts. And uh, no, we probably won't ever do that. But uh, it would really be fun to hear a bunch of clicking right now. Wouldn't that be awesome? Are you ready to learn? Say amen if you're ready to learn. Now, listen, I want to show you based on the word of God, this is how you discover God's will for your life, okay? Now, when Paul says, be filled with the knowledge, we know what that means now, right? Controlled. So if I'm going, if I'm going right and God's word says, bank left, I'm going I'm to bank. If I'm going left and God's word says, you're going the wrong way, this is my will, I'm going to bank right. I'm going to be controlled, I'm directed, I'm guided by the will of God. Okay, then how do I find it? What's what Paul says? Be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Oh, let me show you something here. Now, notice this is not worldly wisdom. Some of you have a great deal of worldly wisdom, but it doesn't help you in your spiritual life. Some of you are good at business and some of you are good at certain interests and you have certain skills and some of you could build this or you could build that. Some of you could, you're great at some things, but that doesn't help you in your spiritual life. This is, these are spiritual matters, not worldly matters. He says, be filled with the knowledge of his will with all spiritual, that's the key, Wisdom and understanding. Now, when Paul wrote wisdom, he uses the Greek word for wisdom, which is Sophia. And this is beautiful. Oh, I'd love to hear seatbelts just clicking. Sophia. Listen to what this means. This is literally what this word wisdom means. It means to organize concise principles. (laughs) I love this. Because you know what that tells me? It tells me, Chad, I am to learn the word of God line upon line, precept upon precept, principle upon principle. And as I began to learn the will of God and I began to learn the the word of God, then all of these principles began to take shape. All of these principles. Precepts begin to stack up. All all that God teaches, line upon line, it begins to stack. You think about compounding interest in your investments? Oh, let me tell you about compounding wisdom. 
And as principles begin to stack up and I begin to learn line upon line, precept upon precept, then God's word begins to bring wisdom into my life. Is that not beautiful? How do I be filled? How do I be controlled? How do I begin being directed by the knowledge of the will of God? Where's that knowledge come from? From Sophia, from the organizing concisely the principles of the word of God. How are we to ever learn it if we don't read and study it? How are we to gain it if we're not deep into its study? What are you forfeiting? What wisdom are you forfeiting because you're not deeply studying the word of God? What would you know, not only about God, but about your life circumstances? What upper hand would you have in making life's decisions if you really understood the word of God? Now, Paul's not done. Listen to what he says. With all spiritual, we know that's the key. With all spiritual wisdom, Sophia, the concise organizing of principles from God's word, that brings godly wisdom into our life. But he's not done. He says with spiritual wisdom and understanding. And do you know what the Greek word for understanding is? Oh, I can hear it in my head. Click, click, click. Do you know what the Greek word for understanding is? To make application, to apply. So watch what Paul's saying. As we are filled, as we are controlled with the knowledge of what God's will is, which we obtain by spiritual wisdom, Sophia, and by spiritual understanding, then What's he saying to us? That beautiful word understanding, synesis is the Greek word. Synesis. Let's all say synesis. <laughs> Some of you don't sound real confident. Synesis. <laughs> Just go synesis. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But synesis. Synesis. Is, it means to apply. Isn't that beautiful? I take the categorized, the concisely organized principles. Scripture says it like this, line upon line, precept upon precept. I take those principles out of God's word and I apply them into my life. And as I apply them, then I'm controlled, I'm directed, I'm filled by the knowledge of his will. Amen. Number two, and I'll speed a little bit through these. Number two, he says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now, let me say this. As you grow stronger in the will of God, you'll walk better in the ways of God. You want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? That word walk in Scripture literally means to live your daily life. It's the daily course of life. The Bible says we're not to walk according to our flesh. We're to walk according to the Spirit. We're not to walk according to the course of this world. But as in this case, we are to walk 
in a manner worthy of the Lord. Is your lifestyle worthy of God's name? You know, it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, when God told the people of Israel, when he gave the Ten Commandments, and he said, thou shalt not take the Lord, your God's name in vain. Do you know what God truly meant by that? In our culture, you know, we don't like to say, oh God, or oh Jesus Christ. I hope you don't do that. Don't. Don't get angry and say, Jesus Christ. Oh, why would a child of God? Why, why would a child of God do that? But in our culture, we think taking God's name in vain is using that out of anger or something like that. But to the Hebrews, do you know what it meant to take God's name in vain? This is literally what it meant. To bear God's name upon the heart, but to deny him with the lifestyle. To bear God's name in the heart, but to deny him with your lifestyle. There's some of you, whether in the building today or listening online, your lifestyle is not in a manner worthy of God. And today I would greatly encourage you to take inventory of your life. And as you begin to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, then the next step is that you're going to begin to walk in a manner worthy of God. Do you know one of the greatest joys that I have as a pastor? One of the, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's just one of the, the chief joys that I have. It's to see a couple who loves one another and a couple who want to, want to, you know, to be a family, but they're off course and they're off path and they're not doing it God's way and they're living together outside of marriage. And yet many couples will come to our church and they'll be in that state where they live together And it's a very bad predicament because if you're going to call on God to help you and bless you, you cannot do contrary to what God says. He can't bless you. He can't. You've tied the hands of God Almighty. You've restrained the very hands of God Almighty in your life because he can't bless you. But do you know what I see so often? Couples will come because culture says, no big deal. Culture says, hey, It's fine. Culture says, as a matter of fact, it's probably smart to do that before you get married. But let me tell you, culture's wrong. Culture's on its way to hell. Don't join it. Amen? Amen. Anyways, anyways. Let me tell you what I love. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. When couples come to me and they say, Chad, we've been listening to you preach. And we know God wants us to get married. Praise God. Amen. 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 Do you know how many couples we've married right up here after a Sunday morning? We've married a handful of couples. Got married right here. Sunday morning, right after church. Amen? Amen. And I'm I'm not saying that you just rush into something. But I'm also saying if Jesus Christ came back today, 
today. Or God forbid, you left this world today. Scripture is very clear. Adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Fornicators will not enter. The sexually immoral, God will judge. But do you know what I find, friends? As people begin getting filled with the knowledge of God's will, then guess what they begin to do? They begin to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What a progression, amen? And I'm telling you right now, couples who live together, it is my joy. It is my joy to see them get right with God and get married, amen? You got some pastors who go, I won't marry them. No, hey, I'll help you get right with God today. Amen? Give me a marriage license. We'll sign it. It may be crooked because I can't see it, but I'll sign it. And and we'll get right with God now. Amen? (laughs) Praise God. Yeah. You say, Chad, what's the point? And it don't have to be in that area. It's it's in a hundred different areas. It's as... You get more filled with the knowledge of God's will. Then it it causes you to begin to walk in a manner, not according to this world, but in a manner that's worthy of God. So I ask you with a pastoral heart today, not with a stone in my hand, I ask you with a pastoral heart today, is God's name upon your heart, but are you denying him with your lifestyle? Are you taking the name of the Lord your God in vain by the way you live your daily life? Don't do that. Begin to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Amen. Amen. Notice what he says next, bearing fruit into every good work. If you missed part two of our series, part two talked about unhurried abiding. We talked about bearing fruit to God's glory. We talked about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. And because of that, we bear fruit. Galatians chapter five. And oh, how I enjoyed that sermon. We are to bear fruit unto every good work. You know what I learned in that sermon that I'd never known? When a, when a fruit tree bears its fruit, you know what one of the purposes is? is to share its fruit. Think about it. It bears fruit that it may share. Are you, are you sharing the fruit God's bearing in you with others? Somebody right now trying your patience? Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe instead of looking at it like that boss or that employee or that coworker or that family member or that neighbor or that friend is trying your patience, maybe you should look at it in this light. Maybe it's that God's wanting you to share the patience of the Holy Spirit with them. Go to work tomorrow with the attitude, I'm going to share my patience. We're to bear work, we're to bear fruit in every good work. Next, notice what he says, increasing in the knowledge of God, growing in that knowledge, growing in the knowledge. Peter wrote, and he said in 1 Peter, we ought to grow in the grace and the knowledge 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing right here today. We're growing in grace and knowledge, amen? What a difference it makes in our life. Knowledge, grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice what he says, being strengthened. Now this is the second point that I'll elaborate. Now notice the progression. If I'm going to tap into God's energy, if I'm going to have that energy come into my life on a consistent basis, this is what's going to bring it. It's when I'm filled with the knowledge of his will. Well, when I get filled with the knowledge of God's will, what's the next step? I'm going to begin walking in a manner worthy of God. Well, as I walk in a manner that's worthy of God, then what's the next step? Then I'm going to begin to bear fruit unto every good work. Do you see the progression? And as I'm filled with the knowledge of his will and I'm walking in a manner worthy of God and I'm bearing fruit into every good work, then I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. And then what's the next step? Then I'm strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Oh, let me share this and then I'll begin to wrap it up. (sighs) Strengthened. Do you know how Paul writes this word? In the original sentence structure, this is so important because it's going to refute the lie that Satan brings. In the original sentence structure in the Greek, what Paul is saying is he uses the word for strengthen as a present participle. You're not not excited about that? (laughs) you're going, I don't get it. What do you mean? Present part, what's the big deal with that? How many times has Satan ever came to you and said, God's not interested? God's gonna leave you where you are. God's on to other things. God cares more about other people. Oh no, God's not, he's not willing to help you. You've prayed that prayer so many times already and God's already forgotten you. No, my friend, let me arm you. Let me arm you with this scripture. When Paul says that we are strengthened with all power, this word strengthened is a present participle. And what Paul had in mind, what the Holy Spirit was breathing out, what he was giving inspiration to, is the fact that strength is always present in a believer. It's always there. You can be constantly, every day, every moment, strengthened with the strength of the Lord. So don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let him say, God's forgotten you. God's moved on. God's not going to help you. God's not paying attention to you. Let me tell you, he's paying so much attention to you that he has put in you a reservoir of strength that will never go away. And it's always there. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So today, if you don't have strength today, if you are drained today, if you are worn out, if you are exhausted, I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. There is strength inside of you. If the Holy spirit abides in you, amen. It's there and he gives it to us. He says, strengthened With all power. I love that word power because it's all through the New Testament. That word power right there, literally, it's where we get our English word, dynamite. In the Greek, it's dunamis, dynamite. It's explosive, amen. And Satan would have you hang your head 
He would have you walk around in defeat. He would have you walk around discouraged. He would have you wondering where God is. He would have you thinking that God has left you and abandoned you and forsaken you. But I'm telling you, this scripture tells me the exact opposite. There is strength that comes from God and it is explosive and it is dynamite. It is dunamis. And when I begin to pray, it explodes into my spirit. And that's what gives me strength. That's what gives me energy to keep on going. So I can come to a place of life and I can say, God, I'm exhausted. And God can say, yeah, but you got my energy. God, I'm to a place of, I'm drained. Yeah, but you've got my strength. See, what have we said through this whole thing? This is not natural. This is not in your humanity. This is spiritual. Spiritual. Strengthened with all power. And then as if that just wasn't enough. It it, it seems like it would be enough if Paul laid this out so beautifully and said, because you're filled with the knowledge of his will, because you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, because you're bearing fruit, because you're increasing in the knowledge of God, now you have this dunamis you got this dynamite you have this explosion of strength that doesn't come in spurts and it doesn't come in seasons it doesn't come in various stages it's not that you have to wait a long time for it no it's always present tense it's always there and as if as if that wasn't enough paul says according to his glorious might What do you mean, Paul? According to his glorious might. His might. Do you know what the Greek meaning of might here is? Are you ready? You going to write it down? Because it's going to help you. It means strength in action. Oh, see, Satan will tell you God's forsaken. He'll say, God's forgot you. God's disinterested in you. This verse refutes the lie. Listen what it says. It's saying that according to the glorious strength in action. That tells me God's fighting for me. That tells me God knows exactly where I am. It tells me he knows exactly what I'm facing. It tells me he knows what Satan wants to do in my life. He sees every spiritual attack. He sees every moment of discouragement. And yet through it all, God has his strength in action in my life, whether I'm aware of it or not. And that's why I have to know the word of God. That's why I have to feast. That's why I have to ingest. That's why I have to take in the beautiful word of God because it will sustain me. Do you remember what Jesus said? He was hungry. And the disciples said, Lord, you have to eat. Jesus said, I have food you don't know of. And do you remember what the disciples did? The disciples said, "Food? who who went and bought food? And they're looking around saying, did you go get food? Did you go get food? And they're trying to figure out who went through the drive-thru. And no one's went through the drive-thru. And Jesus says, I have food that you don't know of. (laughs) Hear me today. 
Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear today. Give us ears to hear today. Holy Spirit, hear me. Some of you are so hungry today. Your soul is famished. Nothing satisfies you. Nothing seems to work. Nothing seems to quench. Nothing seems to fill. Nothing. Jesus said, I have food that you don't know about. And you know what he said? He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food, what does food do in our life? What does it do? Listen, you want to write this down. It sustains. Food sustains you. It strengthens. Food will strengthen you. But listen, food satisfies you. It will satisfy your soul. And some of you are doing everything except the will of God. Some of you are doing everything, including coming to church. But you're doing everything except the will of God. And my friends, it's the only thing that will sustain, strengthen, and satisfy that and that alone. So as we come to a close today, God's working in your life, whether you can see it or not. He's working. Maybe today he's beginning to show you some things. You know the last thing he says here? Be filled with the knowledge of his will. Walk according to a manner that's worthy of God, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit into every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. But then, just so you and I wouldn't think this is a work of ours. You know what he says? giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. For he has, trans he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Friends, are you doing the will of God? Do you know the will of God? Some of you right now today. I'm not talking about God's will five years from now, ten years from now. I'm not talking about God's will for even October. I'm saying right now today, do you know God's will? I know God's will for my, my, God's will for my life is to be in his word. God's will for my life is to stay connected to the vine. God's will in my life is to exercise spiritual disciplines, faithful church attendance, studying the word of God, fasting, praying, tithing, doing a fellowship, all of these things. That's the will of God for me, and it's the will of God for you. And then when we begin to get those right, well, guess what? We're walking in a manner worthy worthy of the Lord to whom we bear his name. Today, if your life isn't right, today, if there are areas of your will that you know are contrary to God's will, or perhaps 
During the preaching of God's will, the Holy Spirit has shown you an area that it's not God's will. Get that right today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Get it right. Get it right today. Begin to bear fruit. Begin to increase in the knowledge of God. And then you're going to be strengthened. And not in spurts. And not at different seasons or various times. You're going to be strengthened in the present tense. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads today. If God is speaking to you, I want you to come and pray at this altar today. You can sit, you can stand, or you can kneel, whatever. If God's speaking to your heart, if there are areas you need to commit to the Lord, if there are areas that you need to say, God, I'm going to get serious in this matter. I'm going to grow in my relationship with you. I'm going to let the knowledge of God's will begin to control me. You're here today. Listen, I feel the Holy Spirit on this. You come and pray right now. You need to come. You just get out of your seat. You come pray. You come pray and let God work in your life. Let him work in your heart. But I feel this of the Lord. Some of you are controlled by other people. Other people are controlling you. And this is a word from the Lord right now. Some of you, other people are controlling you. They're controlling your actions. They're controlling your decisions. They're controlling your will. They're speaking into your life. And you need to cut it off today. You need to cut it off. Cut it off and let the will of God control you. Let God alone control you. Cut it off. And that's the word of the Lord today. Sever it. Sever it. Sever it. Even if you have to sever them. Sever it. Cut it today. Say, Chad, what would I say to them? Say, God told me to cut it. And cut it. I don't know who that's for. But that's for someone. Let the will of God control you. The will of God control you. The will of God control you. That and nothing more. If you need strength today, I want you to come and pray. If you need strength, if you need God to fill you with his glorious might, that strength in action, if you need to see God move in your life, come pray today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you glory and honor. Help us, Lord, to be right in every area of our life. Help us to be right. Help us to be right. Help us to be right. Those who aren't right with God in their relationships or in their thinking or in, in their finances or in their employment, whatever the case, God, those who are not right today, God, Give them the grace to respond to you. Show them how to pray. Show them how to yield. Show them how to surrender. And God, may you help them in a, in a big way today, Lord. Thank you for the word of God that's had effect on, on me, God. It's had effect on me. And as I have organized your principles, it's had effect in me, Lord. Now, Give me, give me that understanding that applies it to everyday life. And help me, Lord, walk in a manner that is worthy of the name of the Lord. And help me be fully, fully pleasing 
to you. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I pray for those listening online who are not right with God. And in this moment, they're asking, how do I get right with God? Lord, lead them in praying. Lead them in praying. God, lead them to reach out to us. Lead them to message us. Call us. Help your people, God. Help your people. And help those who are becoming your people. Because they're aware of sin and they want rid of the sin. Help us, oh God. Help us. Help us. Help us, oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those who feel weak today, who feel drained. Give them your strength, Lord. You share with us your inheritance. Verse 12. God, would you also share your strength with us? Share your energy with us. Help us like Paul to leave nothing on the line. Help us like Paul to lay it all out. Help us like Paul to take our Christian life so serious that we toil to the point of exhaustion, struggling with all of your energy, God, with which you powerfully work within us. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God.